0: If you have ever wondered what the difference was between life coaching and counseling or therapy, this episode is for you. We have a special guest on the podcast today, and his name is Rob Matula. He is a clinical counselor from BC, Canada, British Columbia, Canada. And we had a really fascinating conversation. So, Chris, me, and Rob about the differences, and we got really specific. Uh, so if you've ever wondered that, then this is a really great clarity episode for you. So check it out. And just a quick uh, intro to Rob before we get into it. Uh, just Rob has been a registered clinical counselor for five years now, and he's worked in help in helping people for over 10 years. And Rob typically, typically works with clients on work-related, work-related issues, stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, communication, and career development. And he really meets people where they're at in his work. And Rob incorporates a variety of modalities in his work, including acceptance and commitment therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and something called EMDR as well. It's called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And he uses all that in his work with his clients, depending on their needs and issues. And yeah, so it's really great to talk with someone who has this uh, kind of clinical background, because obviously if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, we more tend on the side of life coaching, really and advice in advice of that light, because it's much more, uh, wide. It can be applicable more widely. That's the best way I can put it. But as you will get into this with the episode with Rob, that you'll get to see the clear distinctions of like where, uh, having th- getting therapy or having a, a counseling session with someone is even more beneficial. So dive in, hope you enjoy it. And we'll talk soon. All right. So let's get into this topic. And, uh, I'm looking forward to talking with you, Rob, about the difference in uh, between life coaching and therapy, because I have some idea myself, since I am a certified life coach and, um, and Chris, I know you've, you've been to some therapy sessions. So like, it should be interesting to hear from your perspective as well. Rob is like your professional side of it as a therapist of like how to, you know, or how, like what the difference is and how to tell the difference. And also like I think what's the most question I've I know I'm going to ask you, Rob, is like how to know of like what you need the most, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. so, cause I know our listeners, like some of our listeners might benefit from one or the other or both. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So right. first off, welcome right. to the podcast, Rob. I'm so yeah, happy to have thanks you. Thanks for having
2: me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's, uh with the beginning this, uh, as I shared with you, I'd love to for you to just share a bit about yourself of like your story and like, how you got to where you are today as a therapist and like where you work and obviously all that. So anything you want to share?
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm like in British Columbia, uh, where I'm from British Columbia, Canada, I'm based out of, um, Burnaby, which is just a few kilometers away from Vancouver. Um, but I, um, yeah, so I'm a registered clinical counselor. I think in the states it would be something equivalent to a licensed uh, mental health professional or a licensed mental health counselor
3: mm-hmm.
2: probably be the closest equivalent uh, but yeah i, I um it, it was a very um, a very meaningful and very um spontaneous journey of how i got into counseling um you know i was um you know, I grew up in, in a family, especially on my dad's side, where there was quite a lot of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother was, um, uh, for, for most of her later years, she was clinically depressed, so she was diagnosed depressed. And um, I think there was some issues in terms of her care. Um, you know, it might have gone differently um, had she gotten... Um, maybe other kinds of care, other kinds of, um, healthcare professional is involved, but, but she really kind of like in her later years, she was eventually institutionalized and, um, you know, she kind of withered away, Mm. um, tried committing suicide a few times. Um, and yeah, it, it was just very, um, very sad and, and very, um, um, kind of, disappointing you know because here is this amazing brilliant woman you know in her you know like 50s and 60s and and uh just something happened mental health wise and she she took a decline you know so so for many years after that I didn't think much about it I was like okay well this is kind of the, this is kind of the um family that I grew up in right? And my mom also had um, never really, um, never had any clinical, clinically significant issues, but, you know, she dealt with anxiety Mm -hmm. and things like that. So kind of, you know, experienced that. Um, But it wasn't until I was like in my mid-20s where I was kind of doing, uh, you know, I was trying to be an entrepreneur, like, you know, doing finance and, selling cars you know just sales typical sales stuff just doing all the different kinds of sales and that was exciting like i was in the car business for a while and in sales and, and car rentals and and um you know that was pretty exciting but it got to a point where i was kind of like i was feeling really lost you know i was kind of like this this doesn't really feel gratifying or fulfilling to me um, so I, I just started volunteering. I started volunteering with youth, um, doing some youth work. And, and just just um, kind of one, con- you know, just talking to different people. Um, and I talked to one person in the field and, and she encouraged me uh, to go back to school and do a master's degree in counseling psychology. And I was like, nah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd even be able to get in that hmm. sort of thing. But I took it on I I took it to heart and I started thinking about you know maybe this could happen right like maybe I could actually you know go to graduate school and become a like a clinical counselor and things like that and I entertained the idea and I started taking actions um and I sure enough I got in and uh here I am and I've been I've been a counselor for about five years now um and you know the story with my grandmother Um, and I have other cousins too, like one, you know, I have cousins with depression and things like that, but, but just from a kind of a grand scheme, you know, of my life, it, it all started to kind of make sense, you know, yeah. like Mm -hmm. I felt like all the pieces started to come together and I, I start to realize like, you know, just seeing, seeing the path, you know, based on my experiences with mental health and, and, and just my sheer interest and passion for it. You know, mm. I just find it incredibly, aside from my own personal experiences with mental health, including myself, like I was, you know, I experienced depression as a teenager. Um, it's incredibly fascinating, you know? So it's just, mm. it's just something that interests me. And I'm really, um, I really wanna help people. I wanna see people do well in life and really, um, you know, have, have new lives free Mm -hmm. of um, mental health problems. And I
1: think it's, I think it's such a great time to be in this field as well. Um, Just because I feel like so many people are yearning for that and need that type of support. And it's becoming at least over the last 10 or 15 years for me, and it's accelerating faster and faster. It's becoming more and more less stigmatized. Like a lot of people are actually, you know, they're more open to talking about that. They're going to therapy. And I think that that's really good. And especially, mm-hmm. you know, as we learn more and more about the mind body connection and how, you know, these, these, these issues that before we thought were just mental, actually have a profound effect on our physical bodies as well. And so it's yeah. just, you know, it's just painting this picture of just more people seeking overall health and wellness, like both mind, body and spirit. And I think that's the way the trend is going to continue to go. And so, it's really awesome to, you know, hear about people like you, like stepping into, you know, what you're passionate about and and, and being out there and helping people. It's really awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing, and that, that's also an interest of mine is the mind body connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, I've worked with clients and, you know, it's really fascinating to see even um, physical, physical health related issues clear up or yeah. get better, you know, yeah. through, you um, working with the mind, you know, and improving their mental health. And then they have other physical issues that actually clear up. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. I've noticed too the, when you, no matter what side of the body you're dealing with, whether it's physical or mental, it kind of has like a positive feedback loop too. Cause you know, the, the, like the the healthier you eat, the more you take care of yourself physically, it also helps mentally. And then the more you work on your mind and work through issues mentally, it helps physically and it creates this good positive feedback loop um, that I've seen. And it's really good. Um, One of the things that I really wanted to ask is kind of, I guess this is like a question for both you and Kevin is how you got onto this topic of thinking about the difference between life coaching and, and therapy, because this isn't, this isn't the first time that I've been hearing about people questioning that. Because I feel mm-hmm. like as more and more people get involved in the personal development world, you start to see differences where people think they can go to a, a life coach and it's just going to be easy and they're just going to be, be able to solve all their problems. But there's like a distinct difference between just having a life coach versus working through like some really deep seated issues. And I've noticed that with myself in my um, journey through personal development, where you know you're reading all these books and stuff, and and you want to take certain actions, but there's certain things from your past and trauma that's holding you back from making these actions or, you know, making these, these, this progress. And it almost feels like you're like doing something wrong, mm. you know? So that, 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 that's my experience with it. And I've heard other people explain it to me that way as well. So I just wanted to get, get kind of get a sense of how you guys kind of thought about this topic. If you have like discussions or I don't know how, how that went down.
0: I mean, I'll share first because I think it's just an idea that popped in my head because there are a lot of times, actually, I I have coaching clients that I work with that are seeing counselors or therapists alongside Mm -hmm. our coaching together. And so that is just something that just fascinated me. And obviously I have my own perception, of course, of like what the difference is, but like I can never know for sure unless I'm a trained counselor slash therapist. It's like, well... I don't know that field and that's literally why i'm like all right let's have this conversation because i'm in my own discovery process like
3: mm-hmm. i don't
0: have the answer I'm, I'm curious and wanting this conversation so that's that's my side of it but how about you rob
2: yeah yeah it's a really important it's a really important question and um, and and for clients and potential clients to have that distinction between um counseling and therapy like Um, given their particular needs, problems, issues, aspirations, you know, Mm -hmm. will it be a better fit for them to see a counselor um, or a coach? Right. And in some cases, both, you know, maybe, maybe they have, you know, really ambitious goals that they don't know quite know how to fulfill on. And and maybe a coach would be helpful for that. And at the same time, maybe they are struggling with some, um, you know, some, mental health related issues that it would be beneficial to see it, um, you know, a trained therapist.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get into that right there, Rob. It's like, what do you see is the difference or like, where do you see is like, is most beneficial to like, let's talk first on like the, the therapy slash counseling side, like having someone go there, like where, where do you see is like the most beneficial or where you'd recommend that the most?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, first off. Um, you know, mental health professionals are trained to deal, um, especially, um, you know, and also consider too that not all counselors, not all people who um, identify or brand themselves as counselor, they may not even necessarily have all of the training Mm. to be able to work with particular issues. Um, But I think, you know, anything in the in the area of anxiety, depression, or getting into more clinical clinical disorders like obsessive compulsive disorder, um, you know, generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, um, and then you know, there's personality disorders, you know, like borderline personality disorders. I, I would really strongly recommend against seeing a coach mm. if that is the particular issue that they want to work through mm. um I, I think probably most coach and i think most coaches would freely admit that yes. you know they just they don't have the they don't have the knowledge the understanding they don't have the um they're not trained in the interventions that are Evidence-based and that are um, appropriate for those particular issues.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think that's a really important point because um, I know Kev. I know um, during your training, like I know Mary does a okay. I'm I i do not know an okay, a pretty good job at doing this, where she she's very particular about referring out. Yep. But I feel like sometimes it's if you're not specifically trained on it. You don't know maybe when to refer out versus when to continue going with a certain client. And I think for coaches, I don't know if we have any coaches who are listening, but I think that's a really important distinction to make where it's like by continuing to to coach someone or continuing to push someone, you might actually cause them more harm if what they really need is specific evidence-based interventions like you were saying, Rob. So I think it's a it's a important distinction to make as more and more people become life coaches because I, I yeah. feel like the industry is booming and some people might not get the the uh, training on when to refer out or or just they might not know and they might be pushing their clients in a way where it may not be the healthiest way for them. So I think it's really important, you know, as this industry gets bigger and more and more people seek out coaches that that distinction is clearly made. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that you're right. A hundred percent. Like my mentor, Mary Morris, she and and my training as a coach, like certified by her company is very clear is that if you notice, and and actually it's, it's a part of, um, a contract within my coaching contract that I I send to all my clients. Like when we first begin working together, I let them know it's like, it's within there that says like, this is not mental health counseling or therapy. Mm -hmm. Like that's not my, my zone of genius. It's not what I'm even trained in at all it's, it's something completely different. And that if that's like the main focus, or if it's like a major part of what you want to change, then like, we might not be a good fit to work together. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, um, I remember just, uh, it was a month or two ago. I had a call with actually one of our listeners. Cause many, many people, uh, from this podcast, like they they'll book a call with me, but like, I had this conversation with a woman and, and it was, very clear at the very beginning as i was asking her about her challenges what she's going through right now what she wants to change the most it was mainly about healing like she she had some like mental health challenges like knowing that she just wanted to like feel uh like herself again in that way but like didn't really like she she didn't really have a focus so much on the vision of like where she wanted to go like her like big goals or dreams it wasn't so much on that it was more of like healing within and like taking time for that. And so I, I told her, like, I actually stopped the call and was like, look, like just so you, you know, like this is who I am, I'm a coach. Like if we're not talking about like a vision of like something you wanna create in your life and you're feeling like you what you need most is that kind of help in terms of healing, then I'd, I'd be happy to let you know about someone I know mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. tell you about them and like what I think would be best. Like I fully, fully support that. And I, I think you're right, Chris, is that not many people in the industry yet like is life coaches know that or at least they're not trained on that to like notice those signs of like what um what would be best for someone I think it comes back to just like just knowing in your gut like it's mm-hmm. a feeling that you get like but on top of that of course like what someone yeah, says yeah. to you like if someone says like yep I'm depressed and like that's the one thing I want to work on It's like all right like I, I might not be able to help you because mm-hmm. I'm not the medical professional yeah in that way as a I guess
1: as like a to piggyback onto that question um, for, for Rob, um, what's your advice, I guess, for someone who, cause it, everyone experiences feelings of anxiety and depression, you know, as they, it's just part of life. How do you, how, like, I guess, tips for someone, like, how do you know when you should probably start seeking out some more professional help versus this is just kind of like an up and down, you know, of day-to-day living in the stressful world that we live in now? Right, right. What
2: is it like, um, you know, normal everyday stress, yeah. anxiety, or, or even like feeling down, mm-hmm. things like that. Maybe it's not quite depression, but you feel down yeah. right, um, or low um, versus, you know, something that, you know, may benefit you to see a therapist. Right. Um, well, I think one, you know, one place you could start is, um, Um, one thing you can do is you can, you can, um, you know, you can kind of become aware of what your symptoms are like, what are you noticing? Mm -hmm. And then if you go to like, let's say a resource online, you go to like a credible, um, you know, some, something that's been created by, you know, a a medical professional or a, a credible mental health professional. Um, And you can kind of see your symptoms and then you can kind of, it gives you an awareness of like, oh, okay, that's kind of resonating with me. Um, And then what you could do is there's, you know, usually um, different uh, directories. Like I know psychology today is probably one they have in the US, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in Canada, we also have psychology today and there's different counseling directories um, that you can that you can go check out, right. And, and book an appointment with a counselor, especially if you're, if, if you're wondering, right. Mm. Um, and even if you're not fully, you know, um, you know, really ready to go full in with counseling, sometimes it can be helpful to just, you know, have one or two sessions just to get a, just to get a sense of what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like most, I would say most, um, like, especially with, um, licensed mental health counselors, um, I'm not sure exactly what the training is, but, um, typically if you're, if you're a master's level trained therapist, you do have training in, in, um, you know, clinical, like, you know, it's called psychopathology, Mm -hmm. like where, where you do have, um, you know, you do have a sense of, you know, what the symptoms are for the different mental disorders and things like that. So, a master's level therapist will have that um, that knowledge, typically, right? So, but I think if if you're not willing to take that step, um, even just kind of noticing what your symptoms are, and then going on to a credible online resource to kind of check it out, right? And the other thing you shouldn't do is is don't diagnose yourself, right? <laughs> right? Just because yeah. your symptoms seem related to a particular mm. disorder, you know, if, if you are, if you are um, wondering about a diagnosis, then, you know, um, go see someone who can actually do a comprehensive assessment, mm-hmm. and actually has the qualifications to actually provide you with a formal diagnosis. You know don't yeah. diagnose yourself <laughs> right
0: so good i'm so glad you said that rob because that's i think of just like web M- web md people look up yeah. you know symptoms like oh no like <laughs> i have that one symptom out of the list i'm, of dying. 20. Right. I'm dying yeah exactly yeah. so like right, to, right. Like to really yeah get that credible like you said like to like and i'm glad you even said this to just highlight it though is that if you're going to do your own research to look for like the credentials the understanding that someone has trained, to be giving information if it's on their website or somewhere to like find out more. So then you yeah. can you know, cross-reference, see like your own symptoms, see like where it is, but still to get like have that, uh, professional to help. And, you know, seeing what is actually going on for you. So, important. right.
2: Right. Yeah. Not all resources are made equal. Like for yeah. example, on YouTube, there's a lot of people who talk about mental health, mm. in- including just everyday people, like people who've been diagnosed, with that particular disorder. Sure. Even life coaches talk about mental health, right? Yep. So not all resources are made equal and mm-hmm. they're not necessarily, um, the person isn't always qualified to be yeah. able to talk about those things. Yep. Yeah. So any kind of information you get online, you always, even, even the credible ones, you always want to like take it in stride, like take it take it with a grain of salt. Realize too that Um. um that you basically, you're also going to have your own interpretation of what's going on as well. So be aware of that mm-hmm. as well. And if you really, if you do, you really do want to, if you do really, um, believe you have something, then, you know, you can always seek out a diagnosis, like yeah. usually uh, psychologists. Like I, I don't even diagnose people in my practice mm. But someone who's a psychologist, who's at the PhD level you know, they've, they have PhD level training. They've had postgraduate training. They've been certified and, uh, you know, they've been certified as a, as a psychologist. Um, Usually those people, you know, are qualified to, to actually give you a formal diagnosis. Mm -hmm. They They do a very comprehensive assessment. They look at a whole bunch of different factors. And finally, then, you know, they can say like, yeah, we, you know, we can diagnose you with, with X.
1: Right. Yep. So do, do people come to your practice with a diagnosis already or is yeah. that okay, they do? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, so I don't diagnose personally, um, um, but uh, I will work with clients with a particular diagnosis.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I'll, you know, I'll do the, you know, I'll do the therapy piece of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important point to kind of circle back about the people talking about it on like YouTube and and online. And I think, and again, mental health in general has just become such a a buzzword lately as well, because it's becoming more, I hate to word use mainstream, but people are just becoming more and more aware that these issues are pervasive and a lot of people are starting to talk about them, so it just makes it even more important to make sure that you're getting your information from the um, credible sources.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think yeah, it's also it another, oh, go ahead, Rob.
2: Yeah, really like you know when when you're looking at you're seeking out any kind of list of symptoms or looking at particular disorders or anything. yeah, always always take a take it with a grain of salt. like y- you can be aware of what's out there. But don't don't make it into a definite. Don't then have a definitive statement that I have this, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. You wanna if 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 you are really concerned about that you do have a particular mental disorder, then you wanna seek out um, actual an actual comprehensive assessment to determine that with a with a trained psych- professional psychologist.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Sweet, yeah, love that advice. The, the one thing I was going to add because um, Chris, you saying it's like, yeah, it's become more pervasive. Just, I think the awareness is growing, you know, about mental health, but I think another piece of this is also that it is real, you know, that like, I think there was like, and this may, maybe just my own awareness of it, but like, I'm thinking that just in the past decades that like, it was just written off as like, oh, that's, you know, it's just a phase or that, like, it's not real or that, um, but like people I think are becoming more aware. So that, all right, there is something real to this. There's some challenge I'm going through and that, again, like life coaching might not be it, like the actual thing that you need to then shift that kind of experience, that mental health challenge that you're facing. So yeah, like it's, it's so important to take the steps, like you said, Rob, because otherwise then you're just, you know, throwing, you know, a dart at a dartboard, hoping to hit the center of like, all right, this is exactly it. Cause it's like, it's just most by luck or chance that like, you're actually going to diagnose yourself well, which is not right anyway. Cause like you want to have that professional opinion, like the formal diagnosis, as you said, so that you know what you're working with. So it's not just like guessing or looking at symptoms and saying like, all right, maybe this is it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it takes um, to become a psychologist. Like I would say the majority of psychologists are at the PhD level. Mm -hmm. It takes years and years of training and clinical experience and and supervision and things like that um, to be able to really, you know, in a very um, accurate way to be able Mm -hmm. to diagnose people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and you know, just to touch on you talked about the realness of mental disorders, I think um, the advances in neuroscience are really legitimizing the -hmm. existence of mental disorders. Mm-hmm. right? Like one example that comes to mind is, um, there's a type of mental disorder called, um, DID or, um, dissociative identity disorder. So this was, um, uh, formally known as multiple personality disorder. Uh, but then they realized that calling it a personality wasn't quite right. Um, so now it's called dissociative identity disorder. They've actually found that um, with particular, um, they're called altars. So kind of like other entities, other kind of of like people within a person's mind. Um, you know, there's, they've even found that, um, you know, some of, you know, there was one particular case where this woman had, you know, an altar who was blind, Mm. who, you know, and, you know, so, so they're like, okay, well, you know, so really, what they did was they, um, you know, they put her under a brain scan um, during the time that she was in in this blind altar, like she was in the state of this blind altar, and they actually found that there was there was there was actually I don't know if there was no activity, but there was certainly a reduced activity in the occipital lobe. Mm so she actually probably wasn't lying about like she, she actually had like the 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 um, the brain scans actually showed that there was a change in activity in the occipital lobe which wow. is the part of your brain used for vision mm. so it's pretty wild it, so I, like
1: yeah yeah i was like just like shows like the power of the mind too as well that you can you can when you you can like think of you can like think about something so much that it can become part of your experience like all like it seems like that's what was happening with her like like when she was going to this altar her occipital lobe literally changed the activity in that literally changed i um the i i I read a lot of books by do you know who dr daniel layman any chance uh it sounds familiar yeah he's he's um he's in like the united states and he has a bunch of these clinics around the country called aiming clinics and he does um, brain oh, scans. Okay. yeah, because brain scans on people and it's mostly to see like blood flow in specific areas of the brain while they're in the scan. And he's, he's, he's made some like really cool findings about, you know, people who have like specific, um, like personalities or who have like anger issues or something. And he'll, he'll do a brain scan and they'll literally be like reduced activity to, to specific parts of the brain or like blood flow. And he'll, you know, do use diet and medication if appropriate to kind of increase the blood flow to specific parts of the brain. And he's been helping a lot of people with that too. So the advances in neuroscience and imaging have definitely helped a lot with, um, mental health for sure.
2: Yeah. It just gives us a better sense of what's going on in the brain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's just,
2: it's, it's, uh, it just gives us a kind of more tangible sense of what's happening. And it really has, I think it has more so legitimized the existence of, of, mental health issues like mental disorders Um, because you notice differences you see under brain scan that there are differences Um, especially with like PTSD there's Mm. quite quite different you know there's different PTSD and and, and something called dissociation dissociative disorders Um, you do see kind of quite remarkable differences between you know, what we call a normal healthy patient versus someone with PTSD and, or, you know, or dissociation. Mm.
1: Are those two, are those two disorders mostly caused by some kind of trauma?
2: Typically, yeah. So PTSD is definitely caused by, you mm. know, there is a, there is a base, it has a basis in trauma um, and dissociation um, often follows from trauma.
1: Right. Okay. And yeah. that's like the, the reason I asked that is because I feel like most of the people that I have talked to that have um, maybe some issue with le- the life coaching industry when they've or, or personal development when they've been in it have experienced some sort of trauma. And so when you're going through specific like coaching exercises, it's like you're telling someone to do something, but their trauma is like preventing them from doing that thing because it's so like it's such a deeply ingrained thing and then they start to feel like something's wrong with them that they can't do it and then it it kind of like the the experience of it just makes it feel like they're doing something wrong versus you know maybe they just need to deal with the trauma first so that they can healthily take those steps that the the person that's coaching them is telling them to take um that that's like what i've noticed the, the biggest between like the the life coaching industry and and therapy is the people who seem to need one or the other it's like trauma is like a big thing it's like if you've been if you've experienced some kind of trauma and coaching just isn't working for you then maybe seeking out a therapist would be better that's like what i've noticed in my personal experience i don't know if you yeah yeah
2: um i think that's a good point you know like i think coaches have a certain lens they have a certain framework with which they see a particular challenge Mm. that a client is having um like you know um you know, let's say a client is not doing their homework, right? Their, their homework on a regular basis. So, um, you know, I don't know what, like there are different ways of coaching, right? Different coaching modalities, right? But there's probably different approaches that you're taking. Um, and I think often with coaching, you're assuming that your client is a normal, healthy individual right, who's maybe just experiencing a bit of resistance, right, or they're just moving outside of their comfort zone. Um, but in other cases, you know, there could be a deeper route to that, you know, there, there could be something going on, uh, you know, th- I mean, it's, it's a complicated issue, because it, it may even have something to do between the, um, the coach and the client, right? Like maybe there's a relational issue going on you know, in therapy, there's something called transference, where the client may be transferring onto the helper, um, something, you know, that could be getting in the way, like maybe the coach reminds that person of um, their dad, or something, and then they're, they're bumping up against that. Mm. Um, But yeah, like, often, what can get in the way is previous trauma, Right. That's why as therapists, we often, like, I would say, uh, you know, a lot of therapists have a trauma informed lens with, with, with which they view their clients. Right. It's, it's trauma informed. Right. And, you know, discovering, you know, finding out, you know, you know, the trauma history of the client, you know, goes with, you know, having a trauma informed lens. Right. Um, And I think, you know,
3: I mean, it, I mean,
2: with the coaching that I know of, because I've I've been a coach, I've I've coached other people. Uh, I I think it's just a little out of the scope of mm-hmm. yeah, of coaching. You know, it's it's. Uh, um. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think that's a I think that's a good point. And just to bring to bring it back to what you uh, something you specifically said about. Um, getting like a coach, is, I feel like a co- one of the main jobs of a coach is to bring someone out of their comfort zone. And that's, I Kevin, would you agree that that's, I mean, that's pretty much like what a lot of it is because someone's in their comfort zone, they want to grow. They need to get out of their comfort zone in order to grow. Yep. People who have been through specific types of trauma, getting out of their comfort zone can feel unsafe for them. And so you can come up against like, they, they'll have the, this you're trying to get them out of their comfort zone but then their trauma comes up and it's like i don't feel safe out of my comfort zone and so they shrink back into their comfort zone and it feels like the coaching isn't working or that there's something wrong with them yeah because they just can't do it and i feel like that's like a specific that's like a red flag where it's like i think p- probably someone would need more in-depth kind of um help with that versus just continuing to try to pull them out of their comfort zone there's like a deeper rooted cause as you were saying before rob and i think again that's why i'm from the people that I've talked to, it's, it's mostly trauma. That's kind of one of the bigger differences between whether you should be a coach, uh, get coaching or, uh, see a therapist. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. And, and I think that's why, like, I would recommend coaches to really develop a really good habit of referring, you know, yep. and, and having, uh, you know, being able to refer out, right. Mm-hmm. You know, Even as a as a trained therapist myself, like even I'll refer out. Like I don't even work with all, you know, mental disorders, you know, because I'm I'm really, there's probably someone better suited to um to work with them. Right. Mm, Exactly. So so, um, so I think it it is good to refer out, you know, and um, you know, given what you discover, you know, in a in a like a discovery call or strategy session or. Mm you know, that, that you do want to, um, refer out, um, so that you don't, you don't kind of provide, you know, you, you don't harm them further. Right. Mm. Cause one thing that we're mindful of as therapists is not to cause further harm. Mm. Right. So that's uh, just an
1: ethical consideration. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Is there is uh, is there anything about the mental health training or industry that, you wish to see changed or that you see like th- there's like room for improvement in the mental health industry yeah yeah because um, i'm just curious what your thoughts are on that
2: yeah yeah i i don't know it's it's challenging you know like um definitely as therapists we're trained to kind of work within our scope of practice right so um, you know, that's why having supervision, is really important as a therapist, you know, so that if you are kind of, you know, if, if you are working with a client that has, you know, demand, there are certain demands that that client comes with, then, then you are supported by a therapist as, or, I mean, a, a supervisor, you know, and I'm sure it's probably also good for coaches to have a coach as Yes. Well. <laughs> So it kind of acts as a kind of, a, I guess, a supervisor in some sense, right? So they're kind of supported in that way. Um, but it's, it's, it's tricky because, um, you know, not all clients are a good fit with all therapists, right? So it's you, sometimes the client has to maybe see a few therapists before they really find someone that they feel like is really gonna be able to help them and there's a good connection and they feel safe with and things like that. That's
3: and, a good point, um, yeah.
2: You know, I, I always like, you know, if a client doesn't feel like I'm a good fit for them, like I'll, I'll, I'll always talk about, okay, like, well, I can refer you, like I let them know their options right away. And, um, just so that the client is, so the client's taken care of, if they're not, at least if they're not going to work with me, then, you know, they're, they have some direction, um, for getting the help they need.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And I was going to, I was going to say, um, is at least in my journey of, um, you know, mental health and seeing therapists, like that's probably one of the hardest things was trying to find someone who you feel comfortable with and who has like the specific tools to deal with what it is that you're looking to gain or improve on. And yeah. I feel it's probably the same way with coaches too. Oh yeah. Um, Cause I, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's certain coaches that, have, that, that can help you and there's certain ones that aren't. And I think it's really important for people who are therapists and who are coaches to know that, you know, you won't be able to help everybody and that's okay. And for people who are looking for a coach or looking for a therapist, it's also like important to find the right fit. And like, yep. it's okay if you see a few coaches or a few therapists and it's like, this isn't for me. Like that, that's totally okay. Um, cause that, that's been my experience with with therapists at least. It's like, you know, just because you go to one or two and they don't, it's not a fit. doesn't mean that you're not like, you're not meant for therapy. It's just you, sometimes you just gotta keep looking. So I just wanna kind of preface that too cause I think that's really important.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, be be persistent. Like keep, you know, seek out the help. You know, if you, if you feel like you need it, like if you're really dealing with a serious issue and it's, it's getting in the way of your everyday functioning, Mm. like you find you're taking more sick days off, you know, not because you're sick, but because you feel, you know, like there, you know, there's a mental health thing going Mm. on.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Yeah. Seek out help and be persistent. You know, another study that's found like quite a robust study is that you know therapy on average tends to be effective Mm. more effect tends to be effective rather than not effective so you know the therapy out there, there's a lot of good therapists and a lot of good therapies out there you know so sometimes it you just it just takes some persistent persistence like you know going out there and and um finding someone that's going to be a fit for you and their particular modality. Modality just means the type of therapy Mm. they use um, is going to be a good fit for your particular issue as well.
0: Yeah. There's something that you said, Rob, that just brought into my mind, a a quote that I actually just remembered of um, something actually I, I use a lot when someone asks like, Oh, like therapy versus life coaching, or like when I know that again, like someone I'm talking with that it's like, Hey, like, I, I don't think that we're going to be a good fit. That coaching is not for you. This distinction really helps. And it, it goes with the word that you said before, is that like, when you, then someone's having a challenge, right. And they're, they're noticing that they're not really being functional in their life. Like, you know, they're taking days off from work and like, really like it's from the mental health challenge. Um, they reminded me of this quote, and I believe it was, I forget the gentleman's name who, who I'm quoting, but he's uh, the CEO, the founder of a, a very large life coaching company, like a company that certifies life coaches. And he's the one who came up with this, which is brilliant, which makes, makes me believe that he is that kind of informed about like, which is best for which situation. But his, his quote was that therapy or counseling takes people from being dysfunctional to functional whereas life coaching helps people going from being functional to optimal, like to, in essence, just taking like how you are right now, but like just amplifying it when you're ready, like, cause not everyone's ready for that kind of support or even wanting that kind of support. And I, I really see that in myself. Cause I, I have a coach, like you said, Rob, it's like coaches have coaches. Absolutely. Um, and that's like uh, to have it, I'm, I'm not dysfunctional, but I'm like functional and wanting to be more optimal in my life. And I think that's a, it's, it's a simple way of putting it, but it does make it simple then to understand, I think the difference between it, mm-hmm. but would, yeah, would you agree th- with that though, Rob?
2: Yeah, I I'd say so. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, when I look at, um, what coaches do typically like, you know, a coach is going to help someone with achieving some kind of goal
3: Mm-hmm. right,
2: there's some kind of direction, there's something they want in their life, like everything for the most part is, you know, stable, they're pretty functional, right, um, you know, they're, I, you know, I just, I use the term, like, healthy normal, right, it's sure. just a way of just talking about people who don't have, you know, a clinical disorder, right, mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that, right, so, um, typically the way I see coaches is really helping clients with some kind of goal or some kind of something they want to, right. And they just need extra support. Mm. Right. Whereas with, with therapy, you can really go in to see a therapist and just be like, yeah, I just, I, I feel sad all the time, or I'm depressed or, Mm. you know, my dog just died or, you know, you know, my sister just died. Right. Mm -hmm you know, or uh, I've been feeling really anxious, right. -hmm. You know, and, you know, a therapist will work with you. Yeah. You know, with those kinds of issues. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I guess kind of like what I'm getting from this conversation, kind of what I thought of believed before as well is that, um, coaching and therapy are a good match for each other. Again, but they're they're for very specific things, and I think the the thing as the as I guess mental health becomes more and more like people start caring about it more and more, and more people start to seek out therapy. And as the life coaching industry grows, and more and more people seek out life coaches, it's just really important that both people who practice those things know what they can help and what they can't help, and know when to refer out. Because I think the the problem the problem that I'm I'm seeing is a lot is with you know people go through like life coaching certifications that aren't up to par as kev maybe you went through where you know it's months of training and a lot a lot our so you can get like a life coaching certification online for like 90 bucks now like if you it's terrible play, like, i hate and it like, go, and 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 some people believe that like a, a life coach is going to be able to solve all of their problems and and some life coaches believe that too they're like mm. yes I, I, like they, they're so willing to take on clients and they're like yes i can totally help you and they don't look at yeah. those and that's what's hurting, I feel, or that has the potential to hurt a lot of people and hurt the industry. Yes. And so I think th- there is a place for both. It's just knowing when a client needs a specific modality or not. But I definitely can see both of them working together really well.
2: Yeah. And there, there's actually, a re- I don't know if you've heard, but the CBC, um, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, they just came out with a, um, a documentary on life coaching. Mm. Um, and, and actually addressing that very issue that yeah people can for less than a hundred dollars people can get a, a coaching certification yeah and things like that so so that may be something you want to check out that documentary for on, sure uh, on cbc but the other thing i think a good keyword here is evidence-based right mm. so there are therapies that are what are known as evidence-based right um, the American Psychological Association also has a list of them, they call them empirically supported treatments. Um, but yeah, these evidence-based treatments, they've, they've been rigorously tested, you know, often multiple times, you know, through um, rigorous experimentation, mm-hmm. right, something called RCTs. Um, and they've been under, you know, these, stu- these findings have been published, they've been under peer review they've been reviewed by others, sco- they've been under you know, the scrutiny of other scholars and, and experts in the field. And once, once this therapy has actually gone through all, the whole process without being weeded out by, by you know, academics, you know, s- you know, the scrutiny of scholars, and it's, it's been shown statistically to be effective, only then it can be considered evidence-based, mm-hmm. right? So typically that's what therapists are utilizing in their practice, what are known as evidence-based therapies or mm-hmm. the American Psychological Association calls them, I think ES, empirically supported treatments, essentially. So for example, one type of therapy I use is called EMDR. You know, it stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And through a very rigorous process of uh, experimentation, many studies over many years, it's been shown to be effective with treating like PTSD.
0: Nice. Yep.
2: And the other thing with these evidence-based treatments, it may work with one particular disorder, but not with another one, right? So Mm. it's not, it, it weeds out this kind of idea that there's a one size fits all. Like you can do this one thing and it's going to work for everything. Yeah. That that's gets weeded out in the, in the experimentation process, right. Of, yeah. of, of actually establishing a therapy as evidence-based. Mm. So.
0: Which is good because I don't think there's anything that's like a one size fit all, like literally we're talking about anything. It's like one main thing that's going to solve all problems. It's, I don't think it is true there's going to one thing for all things. So
1: everyone's problem is slightly different because of their own unique
0: lived experiences and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But that's definitely for, you know, um, for if you want to be with a therapist who actually, and and you can even know if a therapist has a specific type of formal training Mm -hmm. evidence-based training, right. Evidence-based therapy, like, like EMDR, right? EMDR is shown to be, you know, it, it's it's definitely, um, you know, clearly effective. Yep. You know, in in terms of um, treating PTSD, doesn't work with everyone. Oh, you know, it doesn't. It does. It certainly doesn't. Not not. It's not a fit for everyone. It's not not appropriate for everyone to be doing, um, EMDR or, you know, especially with like, um, people with more severe trauma, it's called CPTSD mm. complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, you need a, you may need a more advanced level of training mm. to do EMDR with particular, those particular clients. So, um, but yeah, typically when you work with a therapist and you know of their formal training, in an evidence-based therapy, like then you know,
0: right? Yep. You
2: know that, um, you know, this particular therapy has been shown to be effective with this particular issue, right?
3: Yeah. So
2: it just, it just kind of you can sort of, um, you know, in in the process of choosing a therapist you know, you, you kind of can, uh, I guess you can kind of hit closer on the mark. Right. For sure. Depending on what issue you have.
0: So. Yeah. And I think I just like, just as you're sharing that, which is incredible. And I'm so glad to hear, I mean, first off of that, you share that so that I think some, some people, especially if they've never gone to therapy or never like sought that out or thought they needed it, to like, actually know that there's that kind of backing to it. You know, is really powerful. So, and then also to then do your due diligence, like you were saying before, is like a main point of like when you do seek out a therapist, if like you feel like that's what you need, it's like to to really do your research or like know that you're working with someone who's qualified. I think it just draws a parallel too with what you were saying, Chris, is that and I'm like scrutinizing the own field that I'm in as a life coach, is that that someone who is seeking out a life coach, someone to work with, to have that kind of level of looking at like a coach or the program they offer, the kind of help or the training that they've had because there's those BS like $100 certifications which I, I, I it's like, a, uh, I see it's like muddying the field, honestly, because there, there are powerful coaches and like, I mean, just their trainings that are really like, at least in my experience and like what I've went through, like, as you said, Chris, like months or honestly has been years. Like I see like my training is like years of working with my mentor, like outside of even like, getting trained by her in her institute. Like mm-hmm. so there there's there's a lot of depth to it, but like I think is important for I mean it's like it goes back to I think um something that Chris you you and I mentioned at some point on a podcast way back when, but like um ab- about our like like clients or in this uh, in essence like patients like in the healthcare field, right? It's like taking on their own responsibility for their own health. Yeah. In this case it's like you taking your own responsibility for your own life is like when you seek out either a therapist or a life coach or both that you're doing the work to, to know is like what you're investing in. It's not only the money, but it's also your time and energy that you're trusting in someone to then help you. It's like that, you know, that they're qualified to help yeah. and that there's been that kind of evidence. So I think it goes both ways in both industries. It's just that the life coaching industry, which would be the first to say is like, it's not that well, uh, what's the word for it. Um, there's, there's a particular word. And I think it might've been Rob, like in that CBC, uh, uh, uh documentary, they probably mentioned this of like, um, like peer reviewed is not the word for, it, but like, uh, there's not like checks and balances a lot in the industry, which leaves a lot of, you know, gaping holes so far, but hopefully that changes.
1: But I think, I also think that, um, um, like as more, like, for example, if, if a coach was listening to this conversation, it's like, if they can take away from it that I don't, I may not be qualified to be able to help my client with everything and to refer out to a mental health professional, if that need, yep. if need be, that'll help both, both industries. Cause it's like, mm. you want, you want to have a coach, you want to have coaches know that like, there's going to be things that they're not going to be able to do with, Like, and that's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, you can lean on other mental health professionals that. I went to training specifically for it to help out, and I think that's like really important. It's just like you don't have to know how to do everything, and it's okay. Yeah, and that'll help you know with furthering the industry and also weeding out the bad coaches.
0: For sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I mean, with something like mental health, like that kind of field needs to be regulated. Definitely. And it's mm. just it's just in order to prevent harm, right, from yep. happening. That's the harm. word,
0: Rob. Regulated but yeah like yeah for sure yeah to reduce harm like to yeah avoid that but yeah it's like the regulation things like up until now it's not been that regulated in the coaching field
2: yeah like even i yeah i mean it's it 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 depends on the certification process like for instance with becoming a registered clinical counselor i needed to do like a minimum master's degree so i had to be in a master's program but then i also needed to um do a certain number of hours, right? I think it's over 200 hours of supervised sessions, often video videotaped.
3: Mm-hmm. So they're
2: actually seeing what you're doing and, and mm-hmm. getting yeah. you feedback, right? Yeah. And And um, so, you know, I mean, you're watching videotape sessions of someone working with a client. So you kind of, you know, you have a pretty good sense of mm-hmm. the quality of work that they're doing right and where they need improvement or they need to they need to adjust things yep um and then and and then you go and you have to apply to become a registered clinical counselor and there's an application process and you know so it's very rigorous
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: coaching um you know i i think the idea is, is that coaching is um, working with people who can make those, you know, they can, they're, they're normal, they're healthy enough to be able to kind of make those decisions. There's not as much of a risk of sure. harm. Yeah. Um, except when you do have a client who potentially does have a, you know, a clinical disorder. Um, but they may, they may have a, a misperception that coaching is going to be appropriate for what yeah. they're dealing with.
0: Right. Exactly. Which, yeah, that, uh, it goes back to my, the word that kept popping up when any of that like thought ca- or that conversation came in is integrity. That's what I hold for myself is actually like, it's, it, it's only an integrity for me to like, be aware of that. And like, then make sure, and I check in, if I have any sense that someone has like some mental health challenge, like I let them know is like, this is not, you know, counseling, it's not therapy. You might benefit from that more. And if we even go forward and working together, I would recommend you have that along like therapy alongside working together, which it's, it's not very often. It's rare that that happens, but that has happened in my coaching practice. So Yeah. Coaches take note.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And within your community of colleagues, like your community of helping professionals that you surround yourself with, also have trained therapists in your community. Yeah. Right. You know, exactly. And even even at the PhD level, because then, you know, they have even more extensive training. Like if you're if you can add to your community like psychologists. Things yeah. like that. And then you know, they they could probably support you in having clearer boundaries about who you work with. Right. Exactly. And that'll probably also benefit you too, because mm. you are protecting your own reputation as well.
0: Definitely. Right? But yeah,
2: if you if you were to work with someone who probably it wasn't appropriate to be working with a coach on a specific issue, and then they go and you know, kind of speak negatively about you. So you're kind of, you're protecting your, you're protecting yourself as well.
0: Exactly. Reputation. So it's yeah. good.
2: It's not only good for the client as the coach as well.
0: Right. Definitely. Yeah. Well, beautiful. I think, I mean, Chris, do you have anything else you want to add or share? No, or I was just going to
1: say, like, I think, I think, um, this is a good conversation about you know, the differences. And I, like I said, I feel like it's really important to know the difference. And especially if you're a coach, um, to just know, like, it's okay to refer out and when to refer out is really important. Even if you have to maybe get some additional training on it, if your specific life coach training didn't talk about that, I think it's, it's really important for your benefit, but more importantly, for your patient's benefit or your, your client's benefit. Yeah. Um, but with that, I kind of just wanted to ask Rob, if you had anything else you wanted to add before we kind of close out, the session, or maybe tell people where they can find you or anything else you want to say before we hop off?
2: Yeah. So I, you know, I currently work uh, out of private practice. I have a private practice called Matula counseling. So I work out of the, um, North Burnaby area. So it's just outside of Vancouver. Uh, I'm, I'm actually my, my liability insurance only covers people within British Columbia. So, Mm. uh, they actually have to be living in British Columbia for me to work with them. Mm. um, like insurance wise. Um, but yeah, they can check me out at, uh, matula.co. It's
0: my Sweet. website. So I like it. and you know, we'll put that in the description of this episode so that people can click that link, check out your, your website. And if they want to work with you, if they are in you know BC, Canada, that's, that's, I highly recommend it. Cause I, I, uh, and known you for a while, Rob. And so I definitely endorse your work as, as a counselor, as a therapist. So, Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here, Rob. This is like Chris said, like a really fruitful conversation. I feel like I grounded more of like my understanding of these differences, but also really valued your responses, Rob. So thank you again.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great.
0: This was fun. Same. Yeah. We had fun too. And that's it for today. So thanks for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. So any questions, any comments, connect with us on Instagram personally at Kevin
1: F. Carton or at Chris J. Carton or our podcast on Instagram page at Science and Spirituality Podcast. And if you feel guided to, the one thing that we do ask is for you to please rate the podcast and also leave a review. This way we can reach more people and in that way impact more lives. So with that, we'll see you on the next episode.